Welcome to A Better Way with Real Estate, a podcast series hosted by real estate investor, Brian O'Neill. During each episode, we'll give practical advice for individuals and families navigating the many hurdles in the home buying and selling process. There is a better way with real estate that supports the goals and needs of your family, and we're here to help. Listen along as we help families like yours, one home at a time. Mike Simmons is an entrepreneur, seven-figure real estate investor, and partner in one of the country's largest real estate mentorship and mastermind companies. As the master of taking strategic risk, he coaches others to do the same to allow them to become unstoppable with his seven-figure investor system. Mike has personally worked with hundreds of entrepreneurs to take strategic risks that have paid off. Mike has shared the stage with Gary Vee, Ryan Serhan, and Russell Brunson, among others. He's been featured in Business Insider Magazine and produces and hosts the podcast, Just Start Real Estate, where he interviews successful entrepreneurs. Mike is also the author of Level Jumping, his book about generating $1 million in his first year of business. Hi, everyone. Welcome back to another episode. Uh, Really exciting today. We're going to be talking with uh, Mike Simmons. Uh, We have a great episode. He's going to bring a ton of value here. Mike, welcome to the show, buddy. Thanks for having me. I appreciate it. It's going to be fun. Yeah, exactly. And just want to point out for those who are listening and not watching on YouTube, uh, Mike and I are both Cowboys fans. He's got a helmet on his uh, shelf there. I'm wearing my uh, star uh, Cowboys shirt. So uh, it's going to be a great 2022. Uh, All all kidding aside, though, um, Mike, (laughs) you're you're an investor. You have a real estate business. Um, you're 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 a coach, uh, a very successful one, albeit. But that's not that's not where that's not how you started. And you were no. doing something else before that. And I think it's important for the listeners to to understand where you where you came from, how you got started, and ultimately how you how you ended up where you are right now. Yeah. So I started. I'm so I'm a Midwest guy. I, I born and raised in Michigan, uh, and in in Michigan specifically, certainly back in the '80s and '90s, uh, you know, it's all automotive all the time. And my my dad was in the automotive industry. And really, the plan that was laid in front of me as a kid growing up was graduate high school, go to college or not. Okay, but most importantly, get a job. In, in the automotive industry or an industry that has a union so that you're safe, you have a pension or some sort of 401k or profit, you know, whatever. And and, the, and you do that and you work for 30 to 35 years and then you retire and, and try to, you know, get by on what you were able to save. And that was what was put in front of me. And I out of high school, I started working for UPS. And it was an it was a union, and my dad was ecstatic. The you know, uh, the Teamsters, like wow, back in the early late '80s, basically at that point. And and I did that for a while. Hurt my back. Uh, had to leave UPS because I was basically it took me uh, three chiropractic uh, appointments a week just to get out of bed in the morning. And I was 24, and I, I couldn't get out of bed without going to the chiropractor three times a week. So I I, I was smart enough to understand that's not sustainable over the next 30 years. So got a job in the automotive industry. And this was like, I worked in the automotive industry and around around 2000 in Michigan, the automotive industry really tanked. Right about when the dot-com bubble burst, the automotive industry also was having massive layoffs and serious issues. And I didn't get laid off, but I saw everyone around me getting laid off. And I thought, I am so expendable. I don't have a college degree. I don't have that much experience. 
I wouldn't even hire me with all the talent that's being laid off. I, I don't think I would even hire me. So at the time, I thought I need to get my college degree. I need to go back and fix that because I didn't do it out of high school. And as an adult with two kids, a mortgage, a dog, cars, you know, a wife and everything, I went back and I went and got my degree, got my four year degree and instantly doubled my income, changed jobs. And I was in the automotive industry and, and, and I saw my career path I was a white collar. I was going to go up the ladder and I was working for an international company that was automotive. And I thought, that's my path. That's what I'm going to do. I, I see before me what I want to do. And I worked there for a bunch of years. And the people that I saw that were in the positions that I aspired to have at some point were among the most unhappy, miserable, angry, unhealthy people I had ever seen because they were just stressed out beyond belief. They, they hated their job. They weren't getting along with their wives and husbands and they never could go to their kids' functions, and they were just a slave. And I thought, this cannot possibly be what I aspire to. This is very depressing. And so I started, of course, now I'm in my like early 30s, and I'm like, I, I, I have to do something to get out of this. So I started thinking of how do I invest my money, the money that I had, how do I invest that so I can retire? And I immediately gravitated to stocks and the stock market because that's just all I knew. And I hated it. It was boring to me. I, this is a much longer story, but just suffice to say, I really couldn't stay focused on stocks because it was incredibly boring. But as you research investing and retiring, uh, investing for retirement and investment vehicles, real estate comes up. And when I stumbled across real estate, I was hooked. Like it kept my interest. I was really, really excited about it. And here's the key. And this is what I think I, I would like your listeners to really latch onto in the story. In 2003, I made the decision, I want to be a real estate investor. I want, it, I want to do real estate. I want it to be my way out of corporate. I want it to be how I make my money. And that is what I'm going to do. I've made my decision and I'm excited. And then five years passed and I didn't buy a single property because I was afraid. I was, you know, paralysis analysis. I didn't want, you know, I tell people there's a few things that that scare people away from making big decisions or life-altering decisions. They're afraid of losing money, they're afraid of losing time, or they're afraid of losing their reputation. And for me, the third one was the biggest. I did not want to screw up publicly in front of my friends and family, my kids, frankly. I didn't want them to see me try to do something and fail. And so I let fear of embarrassment and my pride keep me from moving forward for five years. I, I lied to myself and saying, I need to get more educated. I need to read another book. I need to listen to another podcast. I need to go to another seminar because I don't want to lose money and I don't want to fail. Right. And the reality was I was hiding behind education and I'm a huge, huge advocate of becoming educated, but I was hiding behind it because learning about it was much safer than doing it. And there's a certain amount of, I think, endorphins that are released when you, when you put yourself in the environment, but don't actually do it right. You go to a football game or a baseball game. It's exciting. You're not playing baseball, but you get a little something right from being in the environment. And so I would go to meetups and all this stuff and read books. And I sort of felt like I was surrounded myself with real estate, but I wasn't doing anything. And it wasn't until 2008 that I, I got, I hit rock bottom mentally. I hit rock bottom. I was miserable with my life. I was sick of making excuses. And I finally, I just had enough. I was sick of myself. I, I grew up, my dad was a Marine. 
you know, before when I was young, obviously not as I was growing up, but he was a Marine. And, you know, fear just wasn't really tolerated in my family. And I was I was literally not taking action because I was afraid. And and eventually my dad's voice got into my head and said, you need to do something like quit complaining, quit talking a good game and go and do it and stop, you know, stop all this. And so I finally did. And 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 I was addicted, you know, in a good way. I was it was real estate and, and creating my own destiny was was literally like a drug for me. I, I just I once I did it, I, I couldn't do it enough. So that's sort of where I started. Automotive was where I left corporate to go into real estate. You it was uh, listening to that was uh, amazing because like we're so, there's so many similarities between my story. I, I was smiling if you if you if you noticed. I mean, I, I went seven years uh, to do not and did nothing right. And you said something that was I lied to myself hiding behind educa- education. Boy, did I ever do that! And you, it's almost like you create like you're in you feel like you're in this prison of w2 right then mm-hmm. you go and create another one with all yeah. this education and podcasting and and again it's a it's a rush like I, I i looked at stocks as well i looked at all different types of investments and i never stuck with anything it was like and my wife told me once she called me out she's like what's going to be the next thing for you that you don't yeah. do was it which is what she didn't say That's, so uh, yeah, that's rough. That's, yeah, but it's but it's good. It's important. It's things like that that make us realize it makes us see ourselves for what we're actually doing. Hundred percent. Great share. So let's talk about your your real estate business. Like what what talk to maybe talk about your first deal or or, or how yeah, you yeah. how you actually got over that hump. Will do. So interestingly, the first offer that got accepted on a house for me was in two thousand and eight, and we all know what happened around that time, right? things were going down. And I made an offer on a house, it got accepted. I was working with a small local bank. And if you were in real estate or just an adult back then, you might even realize that there were banks that were going under, right? So I made the offer, I was working with a bank, and the bank went under, basically, (laughs) just it it went upside down. and, And so that got blown up. I, I eventually lost my my EMD, which was a thousand dollars, and that was colossal to me. That was huge money to to just lose, and I was pretty bummed. But six months later, I got another offer accepted, an identical house, really the exact same footprint, in the same neighborhood, one street over. The difference is the house, the offer that I got accepted originally was for eighty thousand dollars, right? Not bad, Michigan prices, right? But but the second house, when I got the offer accepted, it was the same house, same neighborhood, $40,000. That's how fast real estate was dropping. And honestly, had the first one gone through, I would have ended up losing way more than $1,000 because the prices were dropping so fast. So I did my first deal, bought it for $40,000, made a ton of mistakes that we can talk about or not, but just some lessons learned. But I I ended up doing that that deal and selling it. And at the end of the day, I profited $15,000, which was like a mini lottery for me. Like I couldn't believe it. And more importantly, my, my wife was partnering with me in the business at that time. And she's super conservative, super financially, super financially conservative. And I'm really not, but she is. And, you know, she was hesitant and nervous the whole way. A lot of anxiety. We made $15,000. And that's all she needed to see proof of concept to go, okay, let's go out there and really go after it. And let's go do this. And I always say if that first deal had gone south and I had not 
made money or worse, lost money, I may not be talking to you right now because I think it would have been a huge issue in my house to keep going when, when, cause she needed to see that it works. And so that was great. And then we worked as partners flipping uh, houses for the next two or three years that she was working with me. And then she eventually stepped out of the business and I flipped houses for another two or three years and then eventually switched my model, which is a real turning point because I have a, a presentation that I've given on stage where I show a graph of my business from, from the, from day one till now. And the graph is pretty, it, it's pretty level. It's, it, it goes up a little, but it's pretty level. It's not very exciting until you hit a certain point. And then it goes almost straight up where my business just skyrocketed, like exponential growth. And, and then people always ask me what happened right there, right? And so what happened right there is I did two things. I changed my model. I stopped being a house flipper and I switched to wholesaling. And the reason I did it was my last flip that I did, my realtor who I relied on far too, too much. I, I relied on him for comps. I relied on him for, you know, what, what the house, you know, will sell for once I was done, like what I should do to the house. He had so much control in my, in my business. It was very, very bad. And on one particular house, he just was wrong. He missed, he, he missed on what it was worth. He missed on what it would sell for. He missed on what I should do to it. And it was really, really bad. Same house. My contractor, did what contractors do often. They sort of start going off the rails. He started overcharging me. He started not showing up for my for my renovation and just a lot of things. So I had to let him go. And so I was stuck where I had to let my realtor go. He he was because not because he made a mistake, but because he didn't own it. He didn't take any ownership of it. He basically his attitude was, hey, these things happen. And I was like, oh no, they don't. No, 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 they no, they don't. And so I had to let him go. I had to let my contractor go. And I was still getting leads but I had no team. My team had disappeared overnight. And I had heard about wholesaling, didn't know what it was, and took a local investor out to lunch and said, you're a wholesaler. Like, What is that? What does that mean? What do you do? What are the mechanics? And he kind of walked me through it. And I started wholesaling and I fell in love. I, I honestly just... I've taken a lot of personality tests. I've hired a lot of people in my time and like the DISC and the Colby and there's something called Culture Index, which is a little more advanced. I believe in those tests as a tool for hiring, not as it's not Bible, but it's a, it's a good tool. And I've taken them all and all of them say the same thing when I take them. Very impatient, can't wait for anything, must go, go, go. And I'm very driven. And so wholesaling scratched that itch for me. It allowed me more velocity in my business, which I love. And my business took off. And at the same time, I got mentorship. I started working with someone who was far beyond me, who was willing to open up their playbook and show me exactly how they built their business. And boy, I'll tell you, I went from doing at the time, and I'm going to use the word run rate. I don't know if your whole audience is familiar with that, but I come from the automotive industry. I was on about a $250 a year run rate. In other words, that was the pace of what I, that was what I was going to make at the end of the year. When I started working with a coach and a mentor and I switched to my model and got a little direction, we went from 250 to within 12 months making a million dollars. And it was just a mentor and, and really working on working in a way that was more conducive to what my personality needs. And my business has never been the same. We've been doing over a million dollars now for the last six years. Awesome. I love it. So you had this hockey stick moment, which is what you described, you know, your flat graph and then boom, straight up. And it was really just a couple tweaks that you made. Like we all want to overcomplicate, overcomplicate it. But looking back, it was just, it was really simple for you. 
Um, yeah. And you know what I find too, it was simple for me, but it was simple. And I've, I've mentored a lot of people and, mm-hmm. and it doesn't always lead to success, but here's what I think I had going for me. This is something that I would consider, um, one of my strengths and it sounds weird, but I know when to take, when and how to take direction, right? I was raised by a Marine. You think I didn't take direction growing up? You think I had a big ego that I had to, that I had to feed? Nope. I know when to take direction and how to take direction. And so when I found someone who truly had answers that I needed, I didn't second guess that person on everything they told me. I didn't put it off. I didn't, you know, I call them yeah butters. When you tell someone, when they ask you how to do something, you tell them and they go, yeah, but in my market, it doesn't work. Like I didn't yeah, but him, I didn't question him when he said, this is what I think you should do. This is what I did. I did it without question. I immediately implemented. And that was really the, the secret behind my growth. Yeah, why, why why reinvent the real? Why invest your time when you're going to second guess? Uh, completely totally. agree. Are you still with the wholesale model now? And are you still doing a lot of... Uh, yeah, we still do mostly wholesales. However, we have added a, a component to our business that's probably going to be at least 50% of what we do. And it's a little because of the market that we're in. And it's a little bit because of a little change in, in, our, in our goals. And I have a partner in my business, but our goals have changed slightly. And so what we're doing now is we're doing a lot of land contract deals where we're buying properties and we're selling them on land contract to people. So that, that's, that's, a, that's a change for us, but it's a, it's a huge shift and we're going after it pretty aggressively. Awesome. Love it. Um, very similar to what we're doing here. So I just want to ask you for your opinion on the market. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm sure you've yeah. been asked this a lot and, and you know, yeah. you hear a lot of folks saying it's hard to find deals. And I just want to get your, your take on that. It's my contention yeah. that there's still plenty of people out there that need help and the traditional market does not solve their problem. And I just want to get your take and then let's uh, move into some, some coaching stuff. Yep, for sure. I, I love the question. I used to hate it. I love it now because I find it a, a good way for me to to kind of explain my position. When people say, how is the market? I always say it's fantastic. And if the market was in the opposite cycle, right now we're kind of in a seller's market. If we were in a buyer's market, I would say the market is fantastic. And everywhere in between, it's fantastic because the market is agnostic. The market has no, it's not good or evil. It's not bad or good. It's not strong or weak. It just is what it is. You're just, it just is what it is, right? It's like if someone said to you right now, how's the time? You'd go, what do you mean? How's the time? It's for me right now, it's 1221. There's nothing about the time that's good or bad. It just is what it is. So when it's a midnight, you have to go to bed. When it's you know 8 a.m., you have to wake up. When it's noon, you eat because it's time to eat, right? You just react to the market similarly to the way you react to time. It doesn't have good or bad. So the market's great. To your point, there are deals right now. You just have to tweak your approach. There's a book called, uh, I think it's called Who Moved My Cheese, right? I, I think that's what it's called. I, I could be screwing that up, but it's basically the, 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 the moral of the book is you have to move with the cheese, right? The cheese is, is are the house is a house market. It's the prices. We have to change our approach in for the market that we're in. And if you do that, the market is absolutely fine. And so, yes, there, it is a seller's market. It is different getting deals now than it was 10 years ago, but we're still getting, we're still doing a hundred deals a year. We were doing a hundred deals a year four years ago, five years ago. We're doing a hundred deals now. We just have to change our approach. I told you I added a component to my business and, and we're just changing. I think right now, something that you talk about, I know seller financing and creative financing 
is absolutely critical that you that you start adding that tool into your tool belt because you know people do want a little more for their house now but here's the deal in this market in the market 10 years ago in the market 50 years ago we buy houses from people who are in some sort of distress. If if I go into a home or I talk to someone on the phone who has a house that's fully up to date, they're not behind on payments, they have no crisis going on in their life, but they're thinking they might want to sell, we will never buy from them because they need to get retail. They should be on the MLS. And if they have time to wait and their house is in great shape and they have no no, no challenges in their life, then, then we'll never buy from them. That's not our that's not our avatar. We're buying from folks that are in life situations that put them in a place where they need to sell their house. So there's always death, divorce, job loss, job transfer, you know, issues that happen, deferred maintenance that, that just get out of control. There's always those things in every market, those things happen. And so those are the folks that we're typically able to help. I love that you brought that up. And those situations I talk to, I, I, I hear them every day. Unfortunately, what you hear in the media is the complete opposite. Yeah. You know, the houses yeah. that are selling in two hours, 50,000 over asking, and all of a sudden that mm -hmm. story takes on a, a life on a, of its own. And it's every house in the United States. Yeah. They don't talk about what you just talked about. Yep. And if I, you know, back when I started real estate back in 2008, the media was the sky is falling. Real estate is bad. It's like, you don't, you know, I would have been too afraid to be an investor. But in fact, 2008, 2009, 2010, some of the greatest years to be a real estate investor, right? Because it just, it was, there was so much going on that, that made it good for us. But that's the thing. It's almost like, I don't know who said this, if it was Warren Buffett or somebody, but you kind of need to, whatever everyone else is doing, sometimes you need to go against that grain to really realize the opportunities. And the reality is we talk to people every single day. I, I get, we get inbound leads every day from our marketing uh, strategies where people are, are emailing us and saying, I need to sell my house ASAP, please call me, right? Those folks aren't getting 50,000 over asking because they have time constraints, they need to sell right now, or their house is in such bad shape that, you know, for a lot of people, if they have to put $5,000 into their house to make it sellable, it might as well be 50,000 or 5 million, they don't have it. And right. nor do they want to deal with it. They just want to unload their problem. And so that's where real estate investors come in. Totally. Okay. So you've built this, uh, you've built this great business. You know, you're doing over a hundred deals a year. And when did you start to think about, well, Hey, I can, I can help people. Or I want to help people yeah. talk about that. Great, great question. So I told you back in 2015, I didn't say the year maybe, but it was 2015 when I found my mentor and someone who was able to help me get my business over the hump and really take it to the next level. That person was inside of a coaching program that I joined that year. It was very expensive, uh, very expensive. I had never paid for coaching in my life in any way, shape, or form. My philosophy was always, listen, there's something called the internet and there's something called Google. I can figure anything out as long as I have Google and the internet. And the reality is, yeah, the answers may all be out there but they are not curated and they are certainly not always reliable. <laughs> and so you can end up chasing your tail. You, you really need to focus if you want to be successful in anything. And so for, for six years, I tried to do it on my own and I had moderate success in my local community where I live. 
I was a mini celebrity. I, people were asking me to speak at RIAs and, and I felt like I had really figured it out. But the reality was I knew that I didn't. I was doing a couple of deals a month. I didn't know how to grow and scale. I, I, I wasn't always profitable. Like I didn't know what to do. And so I found this, this um, coaching program, paid for it, which was a huge decision for me. And inside that group, I found my mentor. His name's Andy McFarlane. Not only one of the best business people I've ever met, but one of the best human beings I've ever known. He makes me a better person and a better businessman. So anyways, inside that group, I found him. He helped me. I turned my business around within 12 months. I, I said to him at the time, I am where you were four years ago, right? And he said, yeah, four years ago, I, I had about the same business you have. And I said, so if you tell me what you did in that four years, both the good and the bad, what worked, what didn't work, what you do differently, all that hindsight, do you think I can do it sooner than that? Like, can, I, can it be less than four years for me? Because I'm impatient. I said, what could I do it in a year? And he said, probably, maybe, sure. If you really applied yourself, maybe. And so that was my goal because I'm super impatient. And I was able, I didn't quite get to where he was, but I certainly got light years ahead of where I was within a year. And after I did that, I went to the person who ran this, this mastermind and I said, listen, I, I know what this did for me and I know what people need to hear because I needed to hear it. I'd like to help. And so I just started volunteering within this program and just kind of helping people give back. And then sort of fast forward some history, the person, somebody bought it and, and I, I became a, an owner of it basically because I had been in it so long and I'd helped so many people. They came to me and said, hey, listen, I'm going to buy this. I really want you to be one of, I want you to partner with me and be involved in this in a big way. And I did. And I've, I've helped hundreds of people since. And, you know, I sort of, I have a lot of empathy for people who are struggling to get started. And, and that's why I did my podcast, right? Just start real estate. It was literally because I want people to get started. I know that momentum is something it's important in business and important in life and you need to get started. So I have empathy for those people, but not a lot of sympathy because I was there too. And I know what I needed in 2003 when I made my decision air quotes that I was going to get started. I needed someone to call me out and hold me accountable and not baby me. And, and because I made that decision in a vacuum, it was all in my head. I didn't announce it to anybody. There was nobody to hold me accountable. So year after year, nobody was asking me what was going on in my business because nobody knew I wanted to do it except me. So I think accountability is absolutely huge. And I think someone giving you answers and, and sort of holding you accountable to take those actions, if you want to have a continuing conversation, you need to do, you, we need to take action on what we already talked about. And I'm, I'm, I'm a little bit hard-nosed about that, but I think it's what a lot of people need. They need someone to not enable their procrastination and their fear. Could not possibly agree with you more on the accountability piece and, and coaching and mentoring is something that uh, I'm a huge believer in. I paid a lot for coaching and Somewhere along the way, Mike, it's just strange how we go through school, we go through our lives, we have we go to school, we have coaches, you know, if we, if we go to church, you know, we have people mentoring us our entire lives, yeah. then we get to school, and it's like, okay, we're done. I'm good. I got to figure it out. You know, I'm 20, I'm 20 years old, I know everything. Yeah. And I don't know why that is. And I made that mistake for goodness over two decades. And it wasn't until I got a coach to hold me accountable who would say uh, during our coaching calls, you know, bring what you need to work on during the call. Otherwise we have no call. Like yeah. what are the areas where you're, where you're lacking, where you need help? 
And that's been a huge needle mover in my life. I'll never not have a coach again. I have multiple coaches now, actually, because there's so many different areas of your life that you that you need help with. Sure. So I'm super psyched that you're doing it for other people. How, t- talk a little bit about what you're doing with your it's the seven figure invest seven figure investor, yep. correct? Yeah. Yeah. So, so I joined this mastermind and I'll just tell you, it was a $25,000 buy-in to this mastermind mm-hmm. per year, right? It's not cheap. It's not for everyone because of the price, but I've been in that now for six years and I've, I've been coaching and mentoring for that whole time. And so what I know is that not everyone's going to pay $25,000. I get that. And I totally understand. I, I couldn't have for a, a long time, but what I do know is there's a lot to be gained from what I have seen who I have coached and what I've seen in my own business over the last six years. I've seen a lot. I've seen a lot of what works and I've seen a lot of what doesn't work. I've been able to build my business into a seven figure plus business. And since then I am now I'm owner of two other seven figure businesses. So I know how to build seven figure businesses. And so I created a program called the seven figure investor. And what this is, is it's a program to help teach people who have sort of gotten their business started. Maybe they've done a couple of deals, maybe they've done a handful of deals and they just don't know how to not be a solo operator. They don't know what to do to create processes and systems. They don't know how to hire. They don't know who to hire. They don't know when to hire. They don't know how much to pay them. They don't know how to build a team. They don't know how to build a business that operates like a business and doesn't require them to be on the hamster wheel 24 seven, because you kind of alluded to it earlier. You don't want to go from working a nine to five job to working 18 hours a day for yourself, right? It's just another prison and it's really stressful and horrible. And so in the beginning, yeah, you're, you're going to have to probably do it all yourself, but you need to learn how to get out of that. And so my business now, I said, does seven figures and more. And I spend between an hour and an hour and a half a week in that business, right? And, and a half an hour of that is just a standing meeting that we have to go through all of our deals, right? So it's not even like I'm working. I'm just sitting in a meeting, giving advice. So I'm not working it every day. And what, but what this program is not, it's not for the person who's rolled out of bed and decided today they might want to be a real estate investor. This isn't a 101 course. It's kind of like a 102 course. It's it's for someone who's sort of already done a deal or two. They don't they don't need every acronym explained to them. They don't need every little like the beginning stages explained, but they've done a few deals and they're like, "Okay, I get it. I I get it. I have to find deals, I make offers, I get it. I know how to renovate, I know how to wholesale, I know how to make it a rental. I know I've done it once or twice, maybe maybe a handful of times. But now what? Do I just keep doing this onesie twosie and I never really can quit my job because I'm not really making enough? How do I scale that up? And that's where I come in. I'm going to teach you how to create a business that runs when you're not in it. And more importantly, a business that has some predictability, some reliability on the lead flow and on the revenue. Because having a business that makes $200,000 one year and $50,000 the next year and $75,000 the next year, it's like, where's the consistency? I want something that you can predictably build that brings you in income reliably without you having to lift and pull all the levers. That's that's the real key to freedom. And financial freedom, everyone knows what that is and everyone wants it. I get that. I do too. I always have, right? But time freedom, freedom of time is infinitely more valuable <laughs> than, than anything else you can do in your life. And if you're 21 listening to this and you don't have any regard or any respect for the time that you spend, I get it. I was 21 also, and I thought I'd live forever. But I promise you, you will value your time at some point above all else. And so that's my goal is to give people the tools and the knowledge they need to build a seven-figure business 
that doesn't force them to be a slave to it. I love that. And for everyone listening, Mike is a hundred percent correct. Time becomes more and more valuable to you as you as you get older, especially when you have a family and you know, sure. you 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 get older and you kind of realize that, you know, hey, I you don't have for you're not gonna live forever. You're not 21 anymore. Yep. So super important. I think that a good point to make here, and you said it too, you know, you paid twenty five thousand dollars for this mastermind that you are in, and you know, that's a big commitment. And I, I think a lot of people are scared to invest in themselves mm-hmm. first, first yeah. ab- above anything else. I mean, that's uh, you. You have to invest in your education. I mean, people are spending 100%. a couple hundred grand on in college. Why? Why wouldn't you hire a mentor if you want to be a real estate investor? Why wouldn't you? Yeah. Why wouldn't you lock arms with somebody who's done it before and can walk you through the whole process, right? And then Absolutely. teach you to scale because I think that that's where a lot of folks get stuck. You know, they do a few yeah. deals, like you said, you alluded to it. And then it's like, well, I'm a little nervous to hire somebody because they're not going to be as good as me. Do you, yeah. do you get that a lot with a, with a lot of hundred percent? I went through that. I went through that. And, and not only are you worried that I was going to be as good as you, but a lot of people hire and they, even if the person is as good, they, they think that the person they hire is going to have the same view and and motivation inside of your company that you do. And so when I first started, I was a solo operator and I was doing everything. And I hired someone and I I tried to make her do everything I was doing. Well, she's not incentivized the same way. She doesn't own the company, right? And and she had different skill sets. So it's so important to understand how to hire, when to hire, but when you do bring them in, how to make it a win for them, how to how to give them a a a position in the company that's not only suited to their skill set, but also isn't trying to just clone you. You're not going to clone you. You need to bring people in who have very specialized skills and can help you in specialized ways and give them clear goals and clear goalposts, right? To use a to use a football analogy. Mm-hmm. And I, I made so many mistakes hiring. And I'll tell you, I, I've interviewed hundreds of people on my podcast. And I'm sure you've talked to hundreds of people yourself. The number one key to, to growing and scaling a business effectively and profitably are people beyond everything else. It's people. And so you have to understand that component. And I get it. Not everybody wants a seven-figure business. You don't have to. But if you can if you can be part of a program and have, the, have access to somebody who knows how to build a seven-figure business, do you think you can build a high six-figure business if that's your goal? Can you build a, a $300,000 business with the knowledge of someone who's built a seven-figure, multiple seven-figure businesses? I think so. And so I'm not naive enough to think that my goals are everybody's goals. And you don't have to have that goal. I've seen many people try to build a seven-figure business and burn out because they really didn't want that, but they thought they should want that. And so getting real clear on what you want is another really important step to building a successful business. I love that point. Not everybody wants a seven-figure business. So it's, it's good that you brought that up, but you do need to get clear on what you want. And 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 yep. uh, once you do that, then you can put the pieces in place to get there. Where do we go for the course, Mike? So if you're interested in, in checking it out, you can go to seven-figure investor. And that's the word seven, not the number. The word seven, sevenfigureinvestor.com. You can check it out there. You can always go to mikesimmons.com. You can access it there too, but you can go directly if you go to sevenfigureinvestor.com. Great. We'll be sure to leave that in the show notes. And then you have a book as well. I do. I wrote a book and it was the the book was specifically I get asked when I show that presentation with the hockey stick growth right there. Everyone always says, what happened? What what happened there? Right. The short answer is I joined a mastermind. I changed my business model a little bit, got clear. 
But the long answer is in my book. It's called level jumping. And the reason I call that it, it level jumping, and nobody really knows what that means, and it's fine, but people know what it means to go to the next level, right? I want to take my business to the next level. My contention is you don't have to go to the next level. You can go to the next, next level. You can really jump levels if you have the right information, the right mentorship, the right coaching, the right attitude, and the right tools. You can actually skip. You don't have to just go to the next level. Like when I was a kid, and probably when you were a kid, when I went upstairs, I went two at a time. I never went one at a time, right? And so let's think of it that way. Let's take our business approach the same way we were when we were kids going upstairs. Let's go two at a time. Let's not waste time with a step in between. And you, you can do that under the right circumstances. And I just laid out everything that happened to me and in my business and how I how I constructed it in order to let me do that. Love it. Uh, I would suggest everyone get that book. I used to go three at a time, but I'm six foot seven. So I got long legs. <laughs> well, I'm and, five, uh, eight. So I can only yeah. go two at a time. And I, and I didn't have that good of, as we called them when I was a kid, I, I didn't have to go to springs, right? I, I could only jump so high. So I could only do two at a time or skip uh, one at a time. That's right. That's right. But no, it's a that, that's a great point. You can skip levels. Um, I'll have to check that book out. I'm looking forward to it. Uh, Mike, before we wrap up here, I mean, this is you've been dropping some great knowledge here. Any final thoughts? Anything you want to leave uh, the listeners before we go? Yeah, I, I will say this because you know I've been asked this question a lot, and it changes a little bit over the years. But here's here's what I think people need to hear right now. Do not let the media or the fact that someone sold their house to your point for 50,000 over asking in, in one day, like the market is absolutely ready for you to be in it and for you to be capitalizing and making money and building your business. This market is fine. It's the media and the attitude and the fears that are stopping you. And, and don't let that happen because 10 years are going to go by no matter what you do. 10 years will go by. In 10 years, you will wish you started right now. I promise you that. And so start now. Do your future self a favor and get out there and get started now. I, my only regret in business is that I didn't start sooner. I wish I had had the knowledge and the encouragement and the tools to get started in my 20s. I didn't. I got started in my late 30s. And so there you go. It is what it is. But don't make that mistake. Start now because in 10 years, you'll wish you had. The best time to start anything is right now. I'm sorry. The best time to start anything is 10 years ago. The second best time is right now. So let's do it. I, I couldn't agree more. And if you lined up 100 entrepreneurs, they would say they would all say 100%. the same exact thing. Uh, I've never met anyone that said, no, I wish I would have. I'm fine with, with, with what I did. Yeah. Yeah. Totally. Great. Great end there. I uh, really appreciate you being on, Mike. Uh, just great knowledge and uh, go Cowboys. And uh, thanks everyone <laughs> for tun tuning in. They make it a great day. Thanks, man. Thanks, Brian. I appreciate it. Thanks for tuning in to this episode of A Better Way with Real Estate Podcast. We would greatly appreciate if you left us a rating and review so we can continue to help you and others navigate the many hurdles of the home buying and selling process. Visit bkwpropertysolutions.com to learn more. And remember, there is a better way with real estate.